0: Welcome to More Than Amuse Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
1: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie, and thank you for joining us for another week, another episode. I want to say that this is going to be a fun episode, but not really, but not really. Um, It could be fun. It might be a little like validating just to like throw your fists in the air and say, wow, Mm -hmm. men can really suck sometimes. But <laughs> Agreed. our topic is basically like I, I was
1: trying to think of like a good title for it. But I feel like the new nine is TikTok series. Just like, yes, I was just really going to say that She nailed it on the head. We actually have had her on our fangirls bonus book episode. We had the creator of the organization, the new nine. And she's amazing and has a TikTok where she talks about men I hate in music
0: And there's, like, I think she's on, like, part 23 right now. Actually, probably even Uh more, but it's a very extensive series. Yes, and
1: she's even brought out, like, men that she likes in music a few times or, like, a bunch of different things. But she really goes into depth on what's up with a lot of these people. And we decided to expand that a little bit, obviously, into men we hate in art and music.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm going to talk about some really horrible artists. And Sadie's going to talk about some really horrible musicians. And then at the end, we get to tie it up with this fun little topic that I feel like is always on everyone's mind of, like, separating the art from the artist and Mm kind of that whole deal. So it's going to be
0: great. (laughs) I'm going to put in a light trigger warning I don't even know light. Uh-huh. Maybe it's not light. Yeah. Not mine. I don't know it's exactly. A yeah. Here's a trigger warning just because we are talking about abusive men and I'm going to like not go into so much depth. Some things I'm just yeah. going to glaze over because I don't really feel the need to go into detail, but there will be mentioning of things, power dynamics, sexual abuse, assaults. It's not pretty. Some of mm-hmm. them will be lighthearted, of "haha, don't men suck sometimes," but unfortunately, there are a little bit deeper stories. So, trigger warning. Yes. Some of it, even reading some of it, it was kind of, ugh, for me personally. So, just putting that in here. Proceed with, however you need to.
1: Yeah, same. I actually had to stop diving into one of them because. It was a lot. I am not going to go into depth either, but I am going to mention what yeah. it was. So I will be like saying the words, but obviously I'm not going to share details on any of it because yeah, there's a reason this is like not just men that suck or men that we kind of dislike. It's literally yeah. men we hate. <laughs> men we hate in arts and music. Yes.
0: Can I start with my lighthearted one? Let's dive right in. I wanted to start with None other than Damon Auburn. It's almost poetic that we decided... That this would be the topic of the week. And then the very next day, this happens. If You don't know who Damon Auburn is, everyone. He's best known. I
1: Yeah, I did not know his name until this whole thing happened. <laughs> to be honest,
0: I did not either. So don't mm-hmm. worry about it. But he is best known for being in the band Blur and in the Gorillaz. He's like the primary songwriter, I'm pretty sure, for both of them. Anyways, I'm going to just read a portion of his interview with the LA Times because he has a concert that he's playing in the Walt Disney Concert Hall on Monday night. It's like a one-off concert where he's going to play songs accompanied on the piano by a like with by a string section. So it sounds like truthfully a very beautiful, beautiful, intimate concert, and this is his way of promoting it. Okay, so I'm going to read this and then I'm going to read some follow-up questions because he just comes across so pretentious and I just hate them. (laughs) Hate him. Okay, so... The interviewer asks, Your show at Disney is you on piano. Whose playing inspires you? Thelonious Monk is my favorite, and I was very lucky to spend a bit of time with Ruben Gonzalez just watching him play. It's a very nice thing to be able to do something that doesn't require any amplification, but it's actually quite hard doing a whole concert on piano. It's not hard playing in a band. And they say, hard because it's so exposed. You can't hide behind anything. You learn whether the songs are any good or whether they were popular at the time because of the sound and attitude. It's a day of reckoning and one, to be honest, that not much modern music could withstand. I First off, I just hate that attitude that like modern music isn't as good as old music. Like just grow up, honestly. So then she says, you think a lot of modern musicians are relying on song, sound, and attitude? He says, name me someone he's not interviewer says she may not be your taste but taylor swift is an excellent songwriter to which he says she doesn't write her own songs interviewer says of course she does co-write some of them and then he says that doesn't count i know what co-writing is co-writing is very different to writing I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying there's a big difference between a songwriter and a songwriter who co-writes. Doesn't mean that the outcomes can't be really great. And some of the greatest singers, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald, never wrote a song in her life. When I sing, I have to close my eyes and just be in there gag me. I hate that. It's so pretentious. And then he says, (laughs) I suppose I'm a traditionalist in that sense. A really interesting songwriter is Billie Eilish and her brother. I'm more attracted to that than to Taylor Swift. It's just darker, less endlessly upbeat, way more minor and odd. I think she's exceptional.
1: The weird part with that is that Billie Eilish and Phineas are co-writing. He
0: literally criticized co-writing and then defined it. Like... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And I have nothing against Billie Eilish. Of course and not. I, I think, think both of them geniuses. are incredible. Yeah. But I just think it's really odd to pull them into the same conversation when he, he was like writing isn't incri- like writing and co-writing are completely different. You know who I really admire writing? Billie
0: Eilish and her brother. Two co-writers. <laughs> it's like, wait, a, wait a second. Yeah. What? Also, like to call Taylor Swift's music. Endlessly upbeat? That is like the most perfect way to let me know that first off, you have no idea what Kenzy Kulus made. You haven't been paying attention for the last two, three years. I would never describe
1: as all too well as upbeat. (gasps) Or think about Evermore? (laughs) Endlessly upbeat? Folklore? Or folklore? Yeah. Neither of them. Reputation wasn't endlessly upbeat. No. (laughs) I I also have to note, I really don't like how the interviewer said she may not be to your taste yeah taylor swift because it's like she had to put this disclaimer on it like well you know you may not like her but taylor swift you know like trying to excuse it when honestly she could have just said oh you know like taylor swift's a great songwriter
0: yeah what i think like there didn't it's just so interesting though is he could just be like because obviously obviously he does not listen to taylor swift obviously no he could have just said oh truthfully i don't really listen to Taylor Swift. But I like Billie Eilish. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's all you had to say. No one's going to be mad if yeah. you don't like Taylor Swift. Here's the thing. Well, truthfully, I might be a little like, hmm, you don't like Taylor Swift. Whatever. Well, he didn't have to say I don't like her.
1: He could have just been like, oh, I don't really listen to a lot of her music, but I've been really getting into Billie Eilish. That's and all you had to do, Phineas. And say like, I think yeah. they're
0: excellent. I think they're really great examples of people who are doing it right, but I don't really listen to Taylor Swift, so I can't really comment on her ability. Oh my gosh, that it's so fun. easy. It's so easy to respond that way. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's just odd. Like, he, like, went out of his way to, like...
0: She doesn't write her own songs. Know. It's like, I'm sorry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> when she does, she actually does. Okay, like, bringing up the point of, like, Ella Fitzgerald, which is also, like, another thing, like, why are we bringing her up? She's He's right, though. Like She was primarily a vocalist, and that's totally okay. Like, I hate it when people try to, like... Demine like a singer's ability and say, oh, if they don't write their own music, then they're not as good or they're not as good of an artist because, mm-hmm. like, just being a vocalist it's a different is talent exactly. And like being able to convey yeah. that kind of emotion, like Ella Fitzgerald could, is truly incredible. But it's just so funny because it's like literally, it's Taylor Swift's selling point has never been her voice. Mm-hmm. That is how her and Ella Fitzgerald are different. Like Ella Fitzgerald has a beautiful, iconic, amazing voice. Obviously I think Taylor Swift is a good singer but like she's not famous because she can sing she's famous because she's a great storyteller and can write amazing songs that's yeah, that's what it is exactly
1: cuz it's like I don't know she's primarily a songwriter mm-hmm. and then secondary vocalist like I that's kind of how I think of it and it's really interesting to hear him be like she's not a songwriter and then the uh, <laughs> the interviewer goes um, yes, she is. Of course she is. <laughs> like, what are
0: you talking like, about? I saw a funny tweet that was like, it's like someone being like, oh, ice cream is good. And instead of you saying, I don't really like ice cream saying, you know, ice cream's actually warm. It's like, what? Like, that's not yeah. what I was saying what i also think is so funny is like just the fact that he's like oh i'm doing it the really hard way but like just being exposed with the piano and like it's really showing like how great my music and modern music couldn't withstand it when it's like a segment of every single taylor swift show is that she plays her songs acoustic like and it is just Mm -hmm. her with a guitar in the whole stadium and you want to know what those songs hold up and i've seen it and it's just as captivating as the full production numbers so if he's like huh this is so much more difficult and modern musicians can't do it it's like yeah liar <laughs> I, I you're an idiot one of
1: my favorite like things that kind of counteracts that taylor swift is her grammy performance of all too well
0: oh yeah like a
1: song that wasn't on the charts was mm-hmm. never released as a single no one else is paying attention to but the fans and she got up there and sang just her and the piano for, yeah. like, the majority of the song until a different choir came in. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the most stripped-down, like, production of it all. And she could have done, like, one of her top hits that everyone would have known, mm-hmm. like, done mm-hmm. dancers and everything. And she didn't. She just did her on the stage with a piano, like, yep. literally what he's saying. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you could just tell that he hasn't paid attention. It He's still stuck in that time period when that was, like, cool to hate on Taylor Swift. Again, lift.
0: grow up. So Taylor Swift responded and she tagged him, which I'm like, you go. She said, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw that saw this. I write all of my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really effed up to try to discredit my writing. Wow. And then she replied back to it and said, P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself, in case you're wondering. And you know what? Here's a brief men I love in music, which is Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dessner two of her main collaborators jack antonoff has been here since 1989 i think aaron Desner's here to stay he's been helping out with folklore evermore all the re-recordings but jack Antonoff said i've never met damon alburn and he's never been to my studio but apparently he knows more than the rest of us about all the songs taylor writes and brings in herb and then aaron desner says not sure why Damon Auburn would try to discredit Taylor's brilliant songwriting but as someone who has gotten to press record around her your statements couldn't be further from the truth you're obviously completely clueless as to her actual writing and work process and other collaborators of her like Joe Little Nathan Chapman they all like chimed in and they're like nope she's one of the best in the game so you're you're lying you're wrong (laughs) not even lying like you're just an idiot It was the stupidest thing he could have done. (laughs) Also, this came out, too, of, like, ways that he's, like, criticized Adele. He said he's spoken out to reveal that he will never collaborate with Adele. So, apparently, they attempted to work together on Adele's literally record-breaking album, 25, but it came to nothing. He told the Sun at the time, Adele asked me to work with her, and I took the time out for her. Will she use any of the stuff? I don't think so. And then he added, the thing is... She's very insecure and she doesn't need to be. She's still so young. And then he described her new music as middle of the road. But then Adele said, so this is a quote, I think from a Rolling Stone article she said, it ended up being one of those don't meet your idol moments. The saddest thing was that I was such a big blur fan growing up, but it was sad and I regret hanging out with him. He said I was insecure when I'm the least insecure person I know. I was asking his opinion about my fears about coming back with a child involved because he has a child and then he calls me insecure. My so gosh. it sounds like she was trying to like get advice from one of her literal idols and like being vulnerable and like. Telling him about something, and he just took that as like, yeah, she's really insecure, and the music she's making is middle of the road. And it's like, just say you're bitter because she's not going to use any of the stuff you came out with, because it probably sucks. Okay, that's all. So, anyways, he sounds like a real oh treat, a real gem. Yeah, a total gem. Definitely someone you'd want to, you know, collaborate with. <laughs> I've, I also like saw people on Twitter like talking about how he would like come out and just say like mean stuff about cold play like apparently this man's just been running his mouth for for decades at this point
1: I hate when people do that in interviews I it's just so tacky like go on have your own opinion like you can talk like that with your friends but like to be in an interview that you know is getting published and to say crap like that about other people that are
0: literally at a higher level than you you're right it is tacky like the like and if he's really a good artist and a good musician like I don't Like your fans don't want to hear your takes on other musicians; they just want to hear about your work. And like, yeah, unless
1: you like say like, oh, I really love this artist. You know, like that's always nice. Exactly, but like they don't, uh, they don't need to hear you like talk about how new music is trash. Or I just
0: I cannot stand anyone who is like thinks they're cooler than pop music. And obviously, he's one of those people. So, Mm -hmm. point one for a man I hate in music. (laughs) okay I would be remiss if I did not bring up
1: the ultimate <laughs> uh, like a narcissist I guess is misogynist cool sadist even say oh of the art world <laughs> okay Pablo Picasso oh yes yeah we did um, talk about him in our misogyny and marriage episode yes. last February um, because he was just. The worst. The worst. Um, But there's even, like, more about him that I found out from all of this that was just awful. Um, And this is, like, an appeal. One of the main reasons I chose Picasso, because I feel like it is pretty, like, a well-known fact by now that he's, like, an awful person. Yes. But can we, like, stop buying prints of his and just hanging them in random homes of your house when you need an artwork piece? Because, like, every single influencer I've seen lately has like a piece by Pablo Picasso on their wall somewhere. And I just choose a different artist. We have a ton of episodes. (laughs) You can find prints for literally every artist we've ever mentioned on here. If you want a beautiful piece of art, just go pick someone else. Like you don't have to choose Pablo Picasso. But his prints are everywhere in people's homes. And it just drives me crazy because he's a horrible man. So one of the main things that he did is he just like used women constantly uh it was even quoted saying that he like drove them to their destruction he was a total misogynist a sadist and a huge fan of mental torture he actually said in an interview so here's another man running his mouth in an interview (laughs) he stated that women are machines for suffering oh Um, Oh, okay yeah along with his other famous quote that he said that women are either goddesses or doormats (laughs) So, you know, that just shows your opinion there. Um, And then if it isn't bad enough that he was such a horrible person, his granddaughter actually recently came out with a whole book about him and talked about how horrible he was. (laughs) So she has a quote here where she said he submitted them, talking about the women that he dated and slept with, he submitted them to his animal sexuality, tamed them, bewitched them, ingested them, and then crushed them onto this canvas. After he spent many nights extracting their essence, once they were blood dry, he would dispose of them. And he, like, literally derived pleasure from hurting them. Um, but beyond just, like, his dating life, he also was just really awful to everyone in his life. Um, and that's why his granddaughter kind of came out with this. I was going to say, like, if just, your
0: granddaughter is writing this book, like, that's pretty damning. So,
1: um, in the years following his death, his second wife and his grandson committed suicide. His oldest son... Um, died from alcoholism, and almost every single every single other person around him that was related to him just had a lot of like emotional trauma left over from like his memory. Oh my gosh! And I had no idea she about said that. the yeah. So if you want to actually read her book, her name is Marina Picasso, and she came out with a book called Picasso, My Grandfather, and she talks about how like no one has ever turned against his memory until her because. Everyone was benefiting from like carrying his name, inheriting his works. Like after his death, a lot of like their life was credited towards like this guy who they like she quotes saying like remained the all powerful Picasso. This quote from her, I feel like really gives a good idea, like how his own family viewed him, his brilliant collection demanded human sacrifice she writes he drove everyone who got near to him to despair and engulfed them no one in my family ever managed to escape from the stranglehold of his genius he needed blood to sign each of his paintings my father's blood my brother's my mother's my grandmother's and mine he needed the blood of those who loved him people who thought they loved a human being whereas they really loved picasso
0: oh my gosh
1: and it goes on to write that it's not, like, the first book that's ever, like, talked about this. Like, we talked about how his, like, mistress, I guess, like, mother of two of his children, um, Francois Galat, mm-hmm. or Galois, um, how she wrote Life with Picasso, kind of hinting at it. A couple of other women talked about his misogyny. But this is the first one that's ever been from, like, a member of the... The family, the family, like a descendant of his own, and she said she wasn't trying to get sca- like settle an old score, but she was just trying to write for the people that she had to watch kind of be victims. Yeah, yeah, victims of this man that was idolized by the world, and yet she remembers him just being this horrible person. Her father would go and have to ask for money all of the time. He would berate his own child. For needing money and constantly insulting him, and then he also treated all of the grandchildren with just absolute indifference. So she said that even though their like Picasso was rich, their family themselves were like on the line of poverty just because of like different mental illnesses and things that they were dealing with, and so they were starving. And he had the means to end that and at least like help out the grandchildren. Like if you're having problems with your own children or whatever, like don't make the kids suffer. But he, they would go with their father to go beg for money from their grandpa. And while they were standing there, he would make them wait for two or three hours and sit and eat a meal, like <gasps> a giant meal in front of all of them while they're all standing there watching
0: and oh starving my gosh. to death.
1: Yeah. And then um, she said once he gave them each a walnut stuffed with a date and a fig. And she said it was the only mark of love she ever remembers receiving from him.
0: Oh, what a, like, literal monster. His own
1: granddaughter. The hardest part, though, she said, was actually when the wife that he had when he died, Mm -hmm. she refused to allow her and her brother to attend his funeral. So they weren't even allowed to go to their own grandpa's funeral. And her brother drank a bottle of bleach (gasps) afterwards. Because of the devastation of like being rebuffed by their own family and not being allowed to attend, wow. Um, and he ended up dying. It's just it. Uh, it's really sad. It goes to show like it goes on on how each member of the family around him like died. A lot of it was like self-inflicted, like alcoholism, suicide. They literally could not get over the devastation of like losing this person who controlled every single aspect of their life Mm -hmm. because he had such a pull on everything that they did that like it was impossible to escape it even after he was gone. Luckily, she said that she's kind of been able to come to terms with him being her relative now. She said, I had to be an anti-Picasso. I hated the painting because it was the source of all of the unhappiness I had known, but gradually I discovered I liked art a lot and I could accept my real life as the granddaughter of an artist. So um, a lot of the collections of works, because everyone else around him died, she's pretty much the last living Picasso that there is because he was the only person, I mean, she was the only person that wasn't managed to be driven insane by him. She was able to inherit a lot of the works of art, whatever was left that museums and the French government didn't end up taking. And so she took a lot of these works of art, sold them to people, <laughs> didn't keep anything other than like a portrait of her grandmother that Picasso had done pretty much, mm-hmm. and then was able to buy some paintings from other famous artists and hang on to a lot of his paintings he owned of that were other famous artists. So like okay. Matisse's and other things that she has a bigger interest in than her own grandfather's art. And she has since formed a Marino Picasso foundation and engaged in humanitarian work um, adopting Vietnamese Vietnamese children, and also helping out with orphanages in Vietnam. So she's done, like, a lot of good. And luckily, like, his money is actually going to something Something
0: good, Good. Now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, like, giving away a ton of money. She said she's actually been in headlines for giving away money to a bunch of charities. And she said it's not out of, like, you know, I'm not trying to get fame. I'm just trying to do something good from, like, a guy who did so much bad. Oh, my gosh. So, Anyway, there's obviously, like, a lot more into the different relationships he had. But I feel like yeah, her just basically saying, like, he was awful and everyone around him suffered because of that.
0: I mean, how much Um, more damning can you get?
1: And she also said that today in the same situation, if I were strong enough, I would run away. I'd prefer to become a hippie. Fair. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, so that's Picasso. If you want to dive more into it, you can. Like, there's obviously a lot of material out there. But at the end of the day, he was just a man who was very focused on what he brought into the picture. And he literally didn't care what else it took yeah. in order to do what he wanted to do.
0: <sighs> okay. Well, I'm going to be talking about Dr. Luke. Um. So... I don't want to say most famously like that just feels like a misuse of the word. There has been like Kesha versus Dr. Luke because she has come out about abuse and sexual abuse that has come because she was signed under Dr. Luke. If you guys don't know, Dr. Luke is a pretty major pop producer of like, I don't know, like most, not most, but a lot of really big hits in the 2010s katie perry worked a lot with dr luke like he's very very prominent in the pop world like has started his own record label and things like that truthfully like i didn't really want to get into the details of like the court casings between him and kesha because it has been an ongoing legal battle i know that like he's now countersued her for defamation and like that's like something that's happening and like talked about how much money he's missed out on because of her coming forward with these accusations and like all these missed opportunities, which like, okay, sorry, (laughs) not anyways. And this started out in 2014, I believe is when she filed a civil suit against him. And like his claim against it is that this is just like her grand scheme of getting out of a contract with him. Anyways. So we love Kesha. I loved her when I was in seventh grade and I heard her TikTok for the first time love her when Mm -hmm. i was crying into my car listening to praying by kesha so such a good song that's truly an amazing song i yes that song has helped me deal with things so Mm -hmm. what i do want to focus on is almost like this weird little caveat involving doja cat um because she is signed to his record label and it's funny how like like she's obviously gotten like criticism for that And I was gonna say it's funny how like she's the one who like takes that but it's like yeah I don't think you should be signing to people who are abusers but she signed when she this I think in like 2013 and this was a year before the allegations came out and now she's locked in this contract right. I though want to read this little bit from an article that um, Doja Cat did with Rolling Stone and it kind of you know it brings this up i'm just gonna read this because i just i can't summarize it any better the article says it's probably not a coincidence that this period coincided with dr luke's legal battle with kesha this is a time that like doja cat's career wasn't doing as well which became public shortly after doja signed with kamosabi Anyways, of all the controversies dogging Doja's career, her association with the man Kesha accused in a lawsuit of drugging and raping her is perhaps the most notable. His resurgence, he was nominated for a Grammy in 2020 for his work on Say So and has three more nominations this year. year. Two of them for work on Planet Her is unquestionably tied to Doja's success. And then Dr. Luke it mentions has denied these allegations and this lawsuit is ongoing doja has not publicly commented on her relationship with dr luke though she has tweeted appreciatively at fans defending her from criticism for working with him and like tweets asserting she signed with him before the kesha allegations become became public in 2014 luke has writing credits on h- such hits as best friends which is sweetie's female empowerment al- anthem that features doja sweetie has said the song she produced with dr Luke were part of her bundle deal with him and she's indicated that she has no plans to work with him again in the future the interviewer it said I asked Doja whether she feels the same as Sweetie for example like if she will continue to work with him in the future at first she says like that's not a question I feel really comfortable answering but then she pauses I haven't worked with him in a very long time a lot of those songs were she pauses again there's stuff that he's credited for where I'm like hmm I don't know I don't know if you did anything on that And then like what? It doesn't matter, she said. The point is he's gotten some credit for shiz and, you know, it's whatever. I don't think I need to work with him again. I don't think I need to work with him in the future. I know that. I think it was definitely nice of me to work with him, she said. He reached out to a representative, Dr. Luke, and he said that, like, Luke is very proud of Doja Cat and the work that they have done together and that Luke has written a uniquely large amount of hits and career-defining songs and continues to do so and in his daily work his practice as in the industries to receive publishing when he creates songs okay then a couple weeks later Doja sends out a follow-up statement regarding her comments on Luke and says I want to clarify something that I had been thinking about since the interview when asked about luke i may have said something that someone could interpret as me saying that he had taken the song on things he didn't deserve to i just want to be clear that i have no firsthand knowledge of that being the case and i don't want to participate in the rumor meal the credits on my music are accurate and i don't want to apply anything else Hmm. okay so they forced her to come out with a statement yeah it absolutely seems so Hmm. so It sucks that, like, there's these women that are now, like, trapped in these deals with this man who, like, clearly sucks. And, like, the fact that she kind of, like, called him out if she's, like... Because she is getting criticism for working with him and that she's kind of, like, well, I actually haven't really worked with him and he's credited on things that I'm, like, did you even actually work on that? But then the representative is, like, oh, no, well, he's a part of everything. It's, like, no, it's probably... It's very possible that, like, he... Owns the record deal, owns the publishing company, and is like, okay, well, I want my cut on that because it's because of me that these songs are getting mm-hmm. out there at all. So I'm just like, wow, you suck. Like <laughs> you just you just suck. Ugh. And like I said, this is not even commenting on like the allegations with Kesha. Like, I believe Kesha. I hope everything's okay. I hope Kesha's okay. But like Yeah,
1: I wonder like if people who don't know that story, basically like Kesha was taken advantage of by him.
0: Yeah, exactly. She sued him in 2014 for infliction of emotional distress, gender-based hate crimes, and employment discrimination, basically kind of saying that, like, if he, she wouldn't do things, that, like, you know, things wouldn't work out um, for her career. So she was trying to get out of this, like, really tightly bound contract that she had with him because, of course, you don't want to work with someone who has made you feel this way. So isn't there a way to break a contract Like, couldn't Doja Cat be like, hey, you're actually awful. I don't want to work with you anymore. I don't know. I don't because I like maybe like some people try to find like ways out of contracts. But like if they're binding, because truthfully, what could happen is that she's just not allowed to release music with anyone else. Then she just doesn't release music. And then her whole career is at a standpoint for like five years, you know.
1: That's weird. I feel like uh, production companies have too much of a hold over independent artists. Like, Absolutely. They, they own the master tracks. They and It's have these so crazy common too, for like
0: artists to be with a company and be shelved by that company. And then they just can't release music for as long as that deal is like intact still. So they're just kind of like, well, what do we, what do we do now?
1: That's really weird.
0: Yeah. So hmm and like I said just another man that I do not like in music and it sucks that like Doja Cat is suffering for it because some people are like commenting of like Doja Cat's never gonna win a Grammy if Dr. Luke's name is on it like do the Grammys want to give out another Grammy to Dr. Luke after everything I mean granted I mean the Grammys have their own issues but like probably not and like maybe yeah. it's a it's a good thing you know like i don't think he should be rewarded for anything but like it sucks that now that there's women who are doing amazing yeah, things i love doja cat and yeah
1: and the sad part is is that from the sound of it he's definitely not working yeah, on yeah it's not like any she's any like it, in the studio so... with
0: him constantly working on music mm-hmm. like he's just this upper entity that's stamping his name on things i mean obviously i don't know for sure but that's the vibe i get well, yeah,
1: <laughs> you can infer from her comments that she very hesitantly said that he's not doing squat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting credit for it. Cool. What's the next cool. man that you hate? Oh, this is the worst one. Okay. okay. I, yeah. <laughs> and the sad part is we focused on him for an entire week of one of my art history courses that I did online. Like I had to write a paper on one of his art pieces because he's literally considered this genius and he is a horrible person and so this is salvador dolly he's really popular i feel like i don't know if you'd know a painting of his he does the weird surrealism okay. stuff. Have you know the painting of the melting clocks yes uh-huh that's dolly
0: okay he's
1: also done a lot of other stuff um he was really influenced by like psychology stuff like that like he has a lot of like sexual paintings too that are really creepy but because he was a creep. So anyway, (laughs) one of the things that a lot of people have pulled from is his childhood diary. He was born in a middle-class family in Spain in 1904 and was just like ruthlessly ambitious, even from a a very early age. He said, at age seven, I wanted to be Napoleon and my ambition has been growing steadily ever since. Well, so, okay. great role model. Yes. He once pushed over his friend from a bridge just because he noticed the safety railing was missing, didn't feel any sort of guilt, and kept smiling. At age six, he premeditated a terrible kick to his three-year-old sister's head as though it had been a ball. In his teenage years, he had a girlfriend for five years, and he called it his five-year plan where he like kissed and like messed around with her but never let it go any further, um, just to, like, control her. Like, like I'm all for, like, abstaining if that's what you want to do, but, like, he literally did it just to, like, have some semblance of control mm-hmm. and even told her repeatedly that he was going to dump her after five years and then did. Oh, my whole body feels sick. Yeah. In another incident, Dolly noticed an injured bat, put it in a tin bucket. The next day he noticed it was being eaten by ants, and he picked up the bat and bit into it. Oh! <gasps> Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Um, When he was 29, a girl commented on the beauty of his bare feet, and he trampled her so badly that his companions had to tear her away from him bleeding. I don't know. Kind of feel like he's... a serial killer but (laughs) kind of feel like I don't care how cool your clocks are I don't want to look at them right um he was also a con man and a scammer um in the 80s he was known for like flooding the art market with his signature so he would like sign blank sheets of paper and then sell them to people so that they could fraud imitations of his paintings as if they were real so he was like helping along with this horrible thing like i talked about his he idolized napoleon as a young kid and then he became obsessed with hitler um (laughs) he i'm
0: laughing because it's awful no like i don't know how to react to this other than laugh because it's truly like absolutely horrible yes
1: he was a hitler sympathizer he was completely obsessed with him Uh, He was even quoted once saying, I often dreamed about Hitler as other men dreamed about women and even like incorporated Hitler into his artwork. And then he became obsessed with the dictator Francisco Franco, who was a dictator of Spain and loved concentration camps, just like Hitler did, and was responsible for the deaths between 200,000 to 400,000 people. He also was a necrophiliac, uh, an animal abuser, um, like we talked about, definitely abused people and just had a raging narcissism. He wanted to be famous his entire life and he was going to do everything he could until he got there. Um, he said that he was cured of necrophilia. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he had a lot of weird paintings and instances like obsession with like dead body and like animals eating dead bodies and then him eating the animals eating dead bodies, like the whole ant situation. And one time he was walking down the street in Paris and was so disgusted by the sight of a double amputee that he kicked him. So,
0: truly like this a jack gem- came out of the womb psychopath. Like psycho.
1: Yeah, like absolutely insane. Um there's so much more. I had to stop because it was getting so disgusting. I actually found a couple of like articles that are like he was probably just playing it up. Like he no. probably, you know, like came up with a lot of that stuff, but like I don't Even if you wanted people to assume that you were like that, like there has to be some level of insanity in you.
0: If you're playing that up, like, no, 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 no. Something's wrong with
1: you. And the sad part is, is that like his art is still everywhere. Um, He's still like seen as one of the foremost surrealist painters and photographers of all time. Um, There was so much about animal abuse, even within like incorporating into his art that like I literally couldn't read it because like... I couldn't stomach it. And just so much more. He, it sounds like he had a really awful dad. um, So that probably played into it. But I don't think a horrible parent is an excuse for horrible behavior. A lot of people have horrible fathers. So anyway, he also was like, it went into a lot about like, he was very obsessed with like sex. Mm. And like overly, overly obsessed to the point where like, he probably needed therapy not probably. He definitely <laughs> needed a
0: therapy. Well, that is the understatement. <laughs> <laughs>
1: needed to be institutionalized. Like there was so much on him and obviously people have like looked into it, written about it a lot. Anyway, <laughs> he's awful and he's everywhere. So,
0: that's your public hmm. service announcement. Don't, okay. Don't support Salvador Dali. <laughs> Absolutely will not. Thank you for that yeah okay well my last one is ryan adams do you know who ryan adams is
1: it sounds familiar well
0: he is like a singer songwriter type kind of punk rock folk romance i don't know he's 44 now he has 16 albums seven grammy grammy nominations to his name he is like overseen music by willie nelson writes a tim mcgraw hit recorded with john mayer like he's a big songwriter guy he actually famously like covered the entire 1989 album, which is funny because the music publication oh. website, yeah. Yes, they I covered remember this his whole cover thing. album but not Taylor Swift's album. Anyways, which before I found out he sucked, I actually kind of liked his cover album and now I just don't like him. So he it came out cuz he was at married to Mandy Moore for a while and then Phoebe Bridgers also came out with how he treated her. Basically, he's like always taken a special interest in the trajectory of female artists, especially younger ones, kind of like champion them on stage, taking them under their, his wing, like champion them on social media, in the studio, like things like that. And like from someone as prolific and like with such a career like him, like that can do a lot to boost a career forward. In interviews, seven women and more than a dozen associated described a pattern of manipulative behavior in which he dangled career opportunities while simultaneously pursuing female artists for sex. In some cases, they said he would turn domineering and vengeful, jerking away his offers of support when spurned and subjecting and subjecting women to emotional and verbal abuse and harassment in texts and on social media. And then all of these accounts have been corroborated by family members and friends who were there. And then this is a quote from an article that said, from a teenager living in a small town to his ex-wife, the singer and actress Mandy Moore, these artists said Adams exploited and then stifled their ambitions. And then quote from Mandy Moore, music was a point of control for him. I don't want to like go into the details, but there is a pretty horrible encounter with a girl that started from, I think when she was 13, Um, it was like a young bass player. And now he's since come out saying like, well, I didn't know she was young. I didn't know. But yeah, there's a lot of text messages of him like almost like teasing her about the fact that she was so young. And she would like lie and say she was 18, but like she just so clearly wasn't. And he so clearly knew there's a quote for him like he expressed anxiety and quote if people knew they would say i was like r kelly lol and then she said that her communication with adams went on like she was uneasy about the unequal dynamic like they would video chat he would be naked like just things not good there's a really sad quote um sorry i just find it so weird when people are like
1: oh i video chatted to them and they were naked and then they're like oh that's just how i hang out like, who answers a video call naked? And for a guy, like, you'd have to, like, really emphasize the fact that you're naked in order for it to even be seen. Because also, you could like, answer from neck up and
0: yeah, no one like, would know. It is assault and it is not consent if you are naked on a video call with someone. Like, and they are yeah. not consenting to that. I just, like, that is assault. Like, I... Yes. Ugh, yeah. And it's disgusting. Like, yes. who answers a
1: video call? Com- Ugh. whatever. Wow. That's so weird. Yeah.
0: And, like, literally, she was a minor. So. Yeah. um, This last quote really made me so sad. Like, as their relationship waned, Adams returned to the possibility of recording together, but for Ava, which I don't think is her real legal name. Well, I know it's not. The idea that she would be objectified to have to sleep with people to get ahead Quote, just totally put me off to the whole idea of being a musician she said and she never played another gig because of this That's so sad mm-hmm. so phoebe bridgers now which by mm. the way if you listen to the song motion sickness it's about ryan adams and it is a really good song oh. it is it is my like go-to Oh, song. So go listen to Motion Sickness. It's super good. So she was 20 when he invited her to his studio one night in 2014. And she quoted and said there was a mythology around him. It seemed like he had the power to propel people forward. And he had her perform a song and said he was like blown away compared her to Bob Dylan. Apparently he gave her a really pricey vintage guitar and told her to record with him the next day. So she brought her best songs and he proposed putting them out as a seven inch vinyl single on his label, setting her on like an amazing professional path. Okay. So yeah then during this time he started sending her flirty texts she said and like a whirlwind romance commenced the singer apparently like ryan adams discussed marriage less than a week into their relationship and insisted that she open for him on his european tour in a few weeks quote a golden pillar of success and adams told bridger's mother that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to have him to have someone like him looking out for her but in the weeks that followed, his attention turned like really obsessive and emotionally abusive. He began like like, barraging her with texts, insisting that she prove her whereabouts or leave social situations to have phone sex, threatening suicide if she didn't reply immediately. So she broke off the relationship and he became evasive about releasing the music they had recorded together and rescinded the offer to open for his upcoming concerts. Bridges said that after their breakup, He continued to tease opportunities while still pursuing her. He offered her a few dates opening for him on the tour in 2017. And after much discussion with her manager about Adam's behavior, Bridgers said she accepted because it was a big opportunity before the release of her debut album. And then last quote about Phoebe Bridgers. Then the first day he asked me to bring something in his hotel room. So she opened for him and she came upstairs and he was completely nude. Of course, he and his (laughs) lawyer have denied this incident. So... (laughs) phoebe bridgers her career is like still propelling forward which is like amazing um for her i love phoebe bridgers so much she's an amazing songwriter Mm -hmm. last i just want to touch on mandy moore so they met in 2007 when she was 23 and he was a decade older she was like at a turning point basically exiting her teen pop years trying to pursue you know more things. In 2010, he offered to work on her next album when she parted ways with her music manager. Apparently, he discouraged her from working with other producers or managers, effectively just leaving him in charge of music her entire music career, which people who are like that just really love to isolate people. They wrote songs together regularly that he promised to record, but then they never did. He would book them time at his studio only to replace her with other female musicians and lashed out in ways that more came to consider psychological abuse. Adams lorded his artistic accomplishments over her he said things like you're not a real musician because you don't play an instrument which is oh my gosh I mean that's like the least of like all the bad things he's done but I just hate that opinion She released her sixth album, completed before their marriage, shortly after they got married in 2009, but has released no album since. Quote, his controlling behavior essentially did block my ability to make new connections in the industry during a very pivotal and potentially lucrative time my entire mid to late 20s. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. Their divorce was finalized in 2016. He actually had an ex-fiancee named Megan Butterworth who described him as a controlling and emotionally abusive partner who later targeted her with digital harassment. He isolated her socially and professionally when they were in a relationship, would dictate who she saw or worked with, and he could turn rageful, smashing things to intimidate her. This last thing, only recently did the women discover that their experiences overlapped, and in the last few months, Moore and several others who... Said they were scarred by their relationship with Adams, have found one another, creating a support system, and then quote, "What you experience with him, the treatment, the destructive, manic sort of back and forth behavior, it feels so exclusive. You feel like there's no way other people have been treated like this." And that, but then realizing they were not alone, the women chose to speak out about their experiences in the hopes of protecting others and moving forward. And then Mandy Moore said, "I want to make music, and I don't. I'm not going to let Ryan stop me." So uh, I just, yeah a really horrible man and it sucks that it's like these are only just four women and you don't know how Mm -hmm. many others there are that just that stop that he completely stopped from pursuing music and they're all so ridiculously talented i know all of them (laughs) it's a triggering story for me reading about that and he sucks. I hate Ryan Adams. So
1: cool. Well, before I get into the last one, I have like two little honorable mentions, <laughs> I guess. Dishonorable I, mentions. So many honorable mentions. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, These are just ones that were not interesting, but like, I don't know. Um, one major one is Chuck Close. Um, he actually passed away last year. Um, oh, yeah. And he has like a slew of sexual assault cases against him, or did. I don't know what happens after they die. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's just another thing. He's, he was paralyzed and painted by strapping paintbrushes to his hands. So it, incredible feat, but at the same time, uh, he was not a great guy. And then um, the other one is Walter Sickert. He actually lived around the same time as Jack the Ripper, This one is just interesting and weird. So a lot of people actually think he was Jack the Ripper because he was obsessed with Jack the Ripper and painted paintings in the bedroom that Jack the Ripper supposedly stayed in and like wrote about him a lot and had like this unhealthy obsession with him. Oh my God. So it's possible that Walter Sickert was him. A lot of people have said that it's not possible, but I don't know. Something to look into if you're interested in true okay. art Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, obviously, my last one is another historical artist. Um, it's hard. Modern artists, I don't keep up as well. It's harder. The art world has gotten a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So I stuck with historical artists that I heard their names a lot. So this last one is Paul Gauguin. I'm saying it wrong. I know that my art history professors would be rolling. Not their graves, but I don't know. Rolling in their offices. Mad at me. (laughs) 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 So Eugene Henry Paul Gauguin was a French artist as well. And he um, was like a painter, sculptor, printmaker, ceramicist, and writer in the symbolism movement. Number one reason I just like him... I love Van Gogh, like Vincent Van Gogh. He's an incredible artist. I think he's one of the most like monumental ones we've had. And it was an argument with Gogwin that led Vincent Van Gogh to cutting off his ear. So that's strike one. <laughs> it was over a girl, I believe, and some other things. Obviously, Vincent Van Gogh had some um, mental problems that like he dealt with his entire life very tragically. Mm-hmm. But it was because of his argument with Gogwin that he lost his ear so that's yeah that's strike number one strike Strike number number two yes is he abandoned his wife and five children (gasps) pestered his friends and family for money and then fled to tahiti oh nice just you know because he could and he wanted to. that's strike two uh also what was weird about this is he had like a medical condition so he wasn't supposed to go and a doctor even told him when he was in tahiti that like he was going to die if he didn't go back and seek treatment in France. And he said, I needed to go back to the infancy of humanity instead. And he had this idea that he wouldn't need money when he got to Tahiti because it was so primitive. And then he was like stuck in a really hard place when he got there and he couldn't pay a tab at the general store and couldn't fish for... (laughs) Fish in the Lagoon, because there was, like, restrictions against it. So he had, like, this weird idea that he was going back to, like, a primitive civilization. So he was a total racist. I was going to say,
0: and racist.
1: Um, Great. That was even definitely shown in, like, his art as well. He, like, had this weird obsession with the Native women there. And... This is just like the final one. I don't even know what strike we're on now, like five. (laughs) He (laughs) took three native child brides at the same time, two 14-year-olds and a 13-year-old. And then on top of that, if that's not enough, he gave
0: all of them syphilis. I I don't feel good after recording this episode. (laughs) I don't feel good (laughs) right now.
1: He gave all of them syphilis, including some other local women he was staying on the side. Because, of course, if you're going to have child brides, you can't even stay, you know, with three wives. You still can't be loyal. Okay. Yeah. And the saddest part is they actually came out with a biopic about him and kind of glazed over all of this and even made, like, the love interest um, one of those women Luckily, they made her a little bit older, but they avoided Mm -hmm. mentioning her age and um, just like,
0: I don't know, really romanced this relationship. I was going to say, what is the deal with like romanticizing tortured men who just like wreck havoc on the lives of everyone?
1: He wasn't even tortured. He was just like a sick guy who like abandoned his family and ran away to Tahiti so he could go be a racist sexist on an island. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. Obviously just a horrible person Um, to kind of like tie this up, I guess in like a nicer way. Um, I found this quote at the head of one of these articles that said over and over again, following high profile rape scandals and domestic abuse, intellectual thievery and explicit racism, people have asked hesitant yet hopeful, is it possible to separate the art from the artist? The subtext of this question, usually outwardly expressed as a kind of philosophical fluffing is can we please just purely enjoy our favorite catchy songs, cool looking paintings and well written sentences without having to think about the suffering their creators engendered. And I wanted to ask what, how you feel about that. We have an article we can tie to where, like, two people mm-hmm. kind of argue both sides of that, of, like, separating the art from the artist or even, like, taking down art made yeah. by bad people versus not doing that.
0: I mean, I feel like th- there's such a difference between, like, he was kind of a jerk, right? Like, the first mm-hmm. example I made, like, Damon Albarn. Like, yeah, he's he sucks. He's a... He's a conceited pretentious douchebag but like there's such a difference between that and like these other stories that we've shared you know I know (laughs) where like they're a pattern and so it's like hard to say like it depends because like that's there's nothing objective with that at all and I think Mm -hmm. what people decide is like the tipping point for them is like mm, you know maybe their choice but like I don't feel like when it comes out that these kind of people are doing these kind of things, it's like, is the clocks like, are they really that amazing? Like, are they really that amazing? You know? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, and it's tricky because, like, of course, like, we can't, like, if they helped propel an art movement, okay, that's significant if we're talking about how ideas and things have changed, but also, like, the idea that still people who've done these horrible things, like you said, like there's influencers with Prince of Picasso in their homes. And it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, and I doubt they know they don't like, know. Yeah. So it's yeah. like,
1: they're not like, Oh, I'm hanging a misogynist sexist. N- like, yeah. You know, they're not thinking about that. No,
0: I don't think it's probably as conscious of course, but like, I don't ever want to do that now. Like knowing what I do, you know, like I don't want to support yeah. him. Or any of these men that we've talked about, like I said, like Damon Auburn's almost like the funny, like, ha ha, he sucks. But there's such a difference between Mm -hmm. that and these other stories that like, I don't think with like these other men that I would be able to, you know, like stomach it almost like I don't want to support that, especially once like if they're still alive and like still benefiting from financially from my support. I don't know. I guess it's not like a stamp of approval on the behavior, obviously, but it is supporting them. Like it is that. Yeah, it
1: is. I think that's one thing I feel like for sure is that if they're alive, heck no. Yeah. Like (laughs) remove their stuff. Don't support them. Don't pay for them. Don't do any of that because if they're alive, it is so easy to just be like, they are benefiting from this. Like do not help them. And so that one makes perfect sense to me. I have a hard time with the history because like you said, it did propel a movement, but I almost just kind of wish that like there was like a disclosure or something or like a statement like next to their painting in the museum that's just like, he was a pedophile, a necrophiliac, like, you know, I, and I don't know if there's a tasteful way to do that, but it's just like, is there a way to like educate people in art school that are learning about these people like I said we spent a whole week on Salvador Dali did we once talk about the
0: fact that he picked up a bat and took a bite out of it no no because I, I mean I was thinking like maybe you could just like make it more about the artwork than the person but like how do you separate the art from the per? you know like there's no way to be yeah, like their name is this on is it. just the painting and because of this painting when it's like well, who's the person who did it? But then also, like, yeah. is the person who did that and created a whole kind of movement, is it because they were this, like, tortured, sick human that, like, they did things? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. i not saying that, it's like, hard. it's a requirement to be sick and twisted to propel art movements, of course, but... Oh, it's definitely not. Yeah, of course yeah. it's not. And I,
1: yeah, I think that that's, like, another part of this is there's definitely, like, a counter to this where there's plenty of men within art and music that are wonderful people. It's just, it, it's hard because it's like I get that you don't want to erase history and I get that you don't want to like, you know, focus too much on the person and then you lose the significance of the artwork. But at the same time, when we're like letting these men become like the titans of the industry, even after their death, where people say name a male artist and most people can still come up with Oh, Picasso Pablo Picasso. Mm-hmm. Salvador Dali, you know, and like they recognize their paintings. Like we had a bench in my middle school that was painted with those melting clocks. Like that's the famous painting they picked. Yeah. And now it's like he was a horrible man. Couldn't we have chosen something different? That's true. Like I think
0: the article that you sent me like brought that up as well, that it's like why can't we just divert it to like championing other artists who are like actually still just as good you know because like you know obviously like those painters were like big deals I don't know much about it but it's like are we saying like no one else is better you know what I mean like there's other amazing artists there's other amazing painters that we can draw from that 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 don't suck like they do so yeah I think that's kind of
1: the best way to handle it is that like It even said in here, do we really need another Chuck Close exhibition? Yeah, exactly. No, we don't need another one. (laughs) We don't. So it's like, just stop doing special shows for all of them. Like, stop doing, like, biopic movies on all of them. Like, don't write any more books championing championing why they were pinnacled to the movement. Like, maybe we just leave them
0: where they're at and move on. Yeah, (laughs) that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like we just we don't have to keep doing this you know like now that we know they're horrible humans like sure appreciate their art we don't have to ignore it we can include it in the history books as like a part of movement yeah we don't do we need to really keep doing these exhibitions do we really need to be focusing on them still like and bringing them almost like more fame and credibility that takes away from the fact that like they were abusers and abused the power dynamics that like the art world like kind of created for them right like if they weren't I mean, I'm sure, like, no matter what situation they were in, they probably would have, like, had these dynamics. But it's, like, these men in power, like, it made it so much easier for them to exploit and abuse the people in their lives because they were in positions of power that they could hold over people. And it's almost, like, even if they're dead and gone, like, it's almost like we're validating that and saying that it's a good thing that we did that and that we're going to continue doing so.
1: So it's, like, there's got to be a good balance. And I think a lot of it, honestly, comes down to, like, education. Yeah. Like if you're going to buy a print of an artist on the internet.
0: Just Google. Maybe
1: do a quick Google. Yeah, like just make sure
0: they're a good person.
1: Yeah. Like literally all I had to type into Google was Pablo Picasso a terrible person and like ten articles came up. So like <laughs> he was in fact. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't take that much extra work. And I guess that's like the plea is that if like you're gonna go listen to a new artist or something, um, Maybe just do, like, a quick Google search. Yeah. Um. Especially with, like, living ones. You can see recent interviews and comments they've made. You can see if there's any legal cases against them. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I feel like it's preventable. I feel like there's a way to kind of make sure that at least you yourself aren't contributing to this machine of, like, pushing forward men who are bad. Who are bad. Oh, and a note. That I was just going to say, there is actually a living artist that was the inspiration for the book that we were reading this month, um, Women Can't Paint. Oh, yeah. And it was him in an interview. His name is Dare Spiegel. And he literally said, women can't paint. They just can't do it. They don't have the talent. Um, And he inspired a whole book on how women can paint, actually. Believe it or not, they've been doing it for centuries. Ever. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, uh, and on that note, also because of shipping delays I feel like that's something I'm hearing about everywhere at work and everywhere there's shipping delays um Sadie wasn't able to get her book it until came recently. today so. yes. mm-hmm. good yeah so we're gonna do our book episode next month instead just to give us that extra time to read because of that yes but I feel like this episode actually is like a really great precursor to that of yeah. like men being stupid in interviews
0: and <laughs> just <laughs> being the worst sorry yeah. for such a downer, or depressed Topic, but like, I don't know. Just sorry about it. It's a,
1: it's more of an educational one. It's yeah. like I feel like it's a a big public service announcement. It's like like PSA. These guys suck. Here's some men that you can avoid supporting, and that would probably be that would actually there is no probably about it. I keep saying probably because I feel like I'm trying to soften it. Yes, and I'm actually I don't want to soften it. It would be better if you don't support any of these people.
0: Yeah, no, that's what, like me laughing to like deal with the fact that I'm like so uncomfortable by like how atrocious these human beings are. So sorry about... Obviously, we're not meaning to make this lighthearted.
1: No, we aren't at all. It's like definitely a coping mechanism because like I said, the research was so bad on yep. Salvador Dali that I literally had to stop because I was like, yeah, dry heaving. Like it's it's bad, guys. Ooh. I feel like we need, like, a palate cleanser. Is there anything fun we can talk about at the end here? I
0: don't know. Maybe we can do artist spotlights at the end instead of in the middle this time. Oh, yeah, let's do that, actually. Kay. That sounds really great. Let's shout out some women artists to end this one.
1: Because, man, this is, like, some of our episodes are depressing just because you're like, oh, these women deserved so much more. But this one was, like, actually really Yeah. I,
0: yeah, I didn't like it. Okay, so for artist spotlights, I have found a glass artist, and it pulled up Ooh. on the my Instagram Explore page because she did like the SpongeBob window, and the name is Setra Glass, C E T R A Glass. So her bio, I think her name is Livy. It's a women's oncology lymphedema therapist by day glass artist by night Whoa. yeah so literally amazing and yeah she does amazing glass work like i said like the spongebob one is honestly just like so much fun but it's like also so beautiful and she has this picture of like the light shining through it onto the wall and it's it's very beautiful
1: i'm fascinated glass art like i have no oh idea i'm like wait you take sharp pieces of glass <laughs> and
0: you make art i'm sorry (laughs) yeah how is that possible i have no i I literally have no idea but it's so beautiful her account has so many amazing pieces commissions are apparently currently closed but she does take commissions so if you're wanting a cool glass piece definitely follow this person like i said i i'm in love with that spongebob window i think it's so creative and so fun like i said it's like obviously from spongebob and yeah. yet it's so beautiful it's so classy yeah exactly so again that is setra glass give her a follow
1: okay another one on tiktok i found
0: <laughs> we love tiktok love tiktok
1: anna bostrom and her username is anna bostrom art how do you spell bostrom b-o-s-t-r-o-m i'm speechless when i look at her stuff i oh literally cannot even describe she's doing a series right now of like greek goddesses which obviously we're like a fan of because she spent a summer in greece and then was inspired to create these works of art her latest one she did was artemis who's like the goddess of the hunt so
0: beautiful
1: yeah it's guys just go look like i cannot even explain to you how stunning these works of art are they're <laughs> phenomenal they're so
0: beautiful oh my gosh and she so has so beautiful prints on etsy oh my gosh Prince on etsy etsy i haven't looked at the
1: prices um she also just has a lot of portraits of like women with animals or like different people like they're really just so beautiful and i'm so excited to see more of like her greek goddess paintings that she'll be releasing that's so. what,
0: like, I have a, like, a Hera gold coin necklace that I wear every day. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's see. I want to see that one. Oh, her prints aren't even that expensive. No, they're think. not at all. I just saw. It's incredible. Oh, guys, these are
1: awesome. Uh-huh. You can get a 13 by 19 for only $30. I, that's, that's insane. <laughs> like, I can't even describe to you. I think we've mentioned prices a few times with, like, artists on here. Um, that's, that's a steal. It's, so, yeah, it's incredible. Anyway, she's got a TikTok as well, obviously, where she's painting on there. And I'm I'm really, really excited to see more of her Greek goddess paintings. I think they're Me gonna too. be beautiful.
0: Go check her Stunning. out. That's Anna
1: Bostrom art.
0: Cool. Well yeah. hopefully that's a little bit of a light hearted note to end on it end on. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but we will be back next week with an episode. It'll be Stani sharing an artist. And we will start yes. the month of February. Yes, we will. And we're
1: excited about it, obviously. There's plenty more coming. And I feel like we've got a good range of, like, happy and sad. So if this is your first episode... <laughs> Sorry. Don't run away. <laughs> <laughs> promise we have a lot more. Um, last week, of course, if you haven't checked it out yet, was our women-written TV shows. That was a very lighthearted episode. Yes. Um, good point. So... whether you want to be mad sad or glad (laughs)
0: perfect well we'll be back next week